We're sisters, best friends, and authors on a mission to help you stoke your creative fire and live the life of your dreams. We believe that purpose fuels passion and that creativity is your secret weapon for mass construction. There's never been a better time to bless the world with your dream realized. You're listening to The Kate and Abby Show. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of The Kate and Abby Show. Today, we have a super special episode coming at you, and it's all about screenwriting, and it's special because we are interviewing David and Jackson Hewins, and we are talking all about screenwriting. So you guys are going to want to take notes for this one because it is absolutely value-packed. David and Jackson Hewins are a father and son filmmaking duo. David is a prolific storyteller and an award-winning feature film writer-director. He wrote and directed his first film when he was just 23 years old and has since written award-winning screenplays, including one that is currently in the works, being crowdfunded through an Indiegogo campaign called Made With Love. Made with Love is a powerful and heartwarming story about a transformative friendship between a retired school teacher and his young neighbor with Down syndrome. The screenplay has won over 25 awards, including the Best Script Award in France, Singapore, India, and Italy. David's son, Jackson Hewins, who is also his partner in all things film creation, is an energetic and fresh voice in the realms of novel and screenwriting. Fostered by his father's numerous experiences and voraciously creative outlook, Jackson's own intuitive love for story and filmmaking manifested at a very early age, garnering upwards of 15 million views on short films he created for YouTube. Since this early start, he has continued to grow and expand his creative path through insightful first-hand experiences like writing novels, screenplays, crafting YouTube videos on screenwriting, working at Warner Media, and embarking on his current situation as an assistant director on feature films. David and Jackson share their collective passion for filmmaking and storytelling through their fun and insightful father-son podcast, Hewins and Son, where they each bring a unique and inspiring voice to the conversation, the seasoned screenwriter, and an ambitious new voice in the field just starting out. So no matter where you are in the spectrum of screenwriting or filmmaking, you're sure to gain some food for thought from the refreshingly organic perspectives they offer. You can find the link to their podcast as well as the link to their current film project in the description below the video version of this podcast. Yeah, so we're super excited to get into this interview. But before we do that, we first have to thank our patrons, our sponsors. That's you guys. You're the ones who support this show and keep it interruption free. And we so value your support. So if you get value out of this podcast, go to patreon.com slash the Kate and Abby show. Okay, let's get into the interview. So David, Jackson, we're so stoked to have you here on the podcast to talk not only about your upcoming film project that you guys are working on, but also to delve into some of the multi-layered complexities of screenwriting and turning your book or screenplay or idea into a potential film. So thank you guys so much for being here on the podcast. We're so stoked to have you. So stoked to be here. Absolutely. So speaking for myself, I know as a writer, the idea of taking your book or screenplay and seeing it become a film one day is a big hope, but it's also incredibly daunting. And I think most writers like myself have absolutely no idea how that will ever happen or how to go about it. But you guys are doing just that. You're taking your screenplay and you're taking these very actionable steps toward turning it into a film. So could you break down what those first steps are and where do you even begin in this process? You just do whatever you can to get your film made, especially if you're an independent filmmaker. You know, mm-hmm. you just 
you know, get money from wherever you can and get, uh, you know, crew and cash, just wherever you can find those um, assets. You just, you grab them and you go for it. Uh, I can remember when I made my first film back in 1989, I'll date myself a little bit. Of course, the internet was not around. Uh, there's so many more resources now, but I uh, had made a trip out to LA and found there was a bookstore called Samuel French. Uh, and I just raided that bookstore and, and brought home as many books as I could uh, all about filmmaking and just read them and read them and read them. So it, it, it can be a daunting task, but then you look and you go, people are making films every day. Right. And they've been making them for over a hundred years. So you can get it done. And I think maybe Hollywood has kept it secretive for a reason. Um, but now there, there are plenty of ways to get your film done. And it just depends on at what level you want to make your film. And so for us, um, working on this first feature that we're doing, going at a $2 million level, uh, budget level is low for Hollywood standards, but you know, that's good for an independent film. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's just, you know, trying to figure out how to get that money, you know, of course, first steps and you ladies will agree is, is writing a good screenplay, writing a good story. All right. And so, you know, everybody can follow you guys and figure out how to do that first step. Right. Uh, I know we sure enjoyed watching all of your videos and learning from you ladies. So, um, you know, that's the first step, get you a strong, solid foundation. And then, you know, hopefully that will attract the other people and talent that you need. And also, you kind of want that strong story foundation there for your own motivation. I know, Kate, you've talked about this before, writing something that you really believe in. And you're going to really need that because uh, you're going to have to push through a lot of a lot of waiting places, a lot of times of like, I don't know what's going on here and waiting for people to get back to you. And you're just going to need something that you truly believe in. So I know some people, they just write their first script and they just want to get it made just so they can make something. Um, but you're going to want to really make something that you believe in. Cause he wrote like five scripts in the past year, basically, or seven scripts or something like that. And it was only until like the fourth that you had the one that was the military film. Yeah. And we were like, this is a story that we like really want to make right now. Right. And then that movie, it turned out that would require probably like a $10 million budget. So then you wrote another script or two more scripts, and out of those two scripts, there was another one that was like, man, this really feels like this needs to be made, and that is the one that we're making now that would be $2 million. Yeah, so. and, and that's that's such a good point. Just having that passion for something, which this film, Made With Love, that we're working on now, I'm so passionate about it. It's gonna be a beautiful story. It's gonna raise awareness for the Down Syndrome community. And, and when you have that passion, like you said, there's so many struggles. And I know you ladies will agree. And a lot of perseverance. <laughs> yeah. So you to get through that, you know, to persevere, you have to have something, you know, that's going to push you through that. And if you're passionate about a story, right. and, you know, especially when you're trying to raise money, I mean, I have no problem with asking people to, you know, put money into this project because I'm so passionate about it. And it's going to be such a beautiful story that can uplift and change lives. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's when, when it's something you so deeply believe in, it's like it's just part of you and it's so like easy to talk about it. It's easy yes, to right. ask people to give toward it because you can see that end game. Exactly. And and so steps in terms of once you found that story, then with this latest film that we're working on right now, you had to pick a way, basically. There's like all these different roads on the horizon 
and it's kind of like you can assess them for a certain amount of time, but at some point you've got to go, we're moving forward and you know, we're, if it comes down to trial and error, maybe this road is wrong, but we've got to, we've got to do something yeah, right now. Yeah, and that took, that took several months. Yeah, figuring it out. It really did. Because uh, my first film, we did a private placement memorandum and raised money through, uh, you know, kind of traditional channels where you 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 have this document and you basically sell shares uh, to raise your budget, and, and back well to do that you have to you have to be uh, a high net worth individual, uh, and so there are like parameters as far as you know legal parameters for who can invest. Um, and so right. that was one option, you know, going and trying to pitch it to a production company or trying to find a distributor that would give you money is another option. Um, crowdfunding was another option. And within the crowdfunding realm, there was, you know, perk based or there was equity based crowdfunding. So there are all these different routes. And, and until you decide on one, you know, and then you can go to people and say, okay, here's how I'm doing it. And if you're interested in putting money in, you know, you, you you can do it this way. Um, and it, it took a lot of thought because it's like, all right, I, I know I have this group of people who might be willing to donate money and go that perk route, but then I have people over here that are probably more investor-minded that might want to do it a traditional way or do it the, you know, the crowdfunding, the uh, equity-based crowdfunding. So, you know, really had to think through that. And finally, I think it was just you know, doing some praying and then coming back and going, you know, this movie is about love and it's called Made with Love. And so let's make it with people's love. Uh, and so it's like, let's do it this, you know, perk base, you know, more of a donation type thing. So it's coming from the heart. And then once we decided on that, then we could go out and start asking folks. Yeah. I and before you got to that, awesome. you made the, the pitch deck for it, right? You made the script and then you made the pitch deck. Yeah, so with the film, I guess if you want to go like some step-by-step -step things with, with a film, so we wrote the script, all right, and we, we got good feedback on that, sent it to some uh, coverage folks. That's what they call people who read scripts in Hollywood. So if you're trying to sell your script to a big studio or something, they'll have people that will read. They're called readers or coverage. And then they will write down notes and you know talk about the viability of marketability, you know the story structure, characters. I mean, they go into great detail. Um, and then, you know, so getting some good feedback from that, we're like, all right, we know this is a good screenplay. Let's start moving forward. Uh, and one of the first things I did was to put together a pitch deck. And I think you guys have seen that. And that's what, yes. you know, it has a lot of graphics in it. It talks about budget. It talks about how you'll market it. It talks about any comparable films that we're relating this to, uh, gives the synopsis in there. And so it's just something that people can get that's visual. Right. Uh, and that was kind of another first step. It's like, all right, I got to, you know, if I'm talking to people, most people won't read a 90 page screenplay. Right. You know, I mean, it's, I'm sure you get this too. It's like, here's my novel. Will you read it? And hardcore folks will read it for sure. But most people totally. are too busy, especially like film producers. They want to hear the high level synopsis. And if you're coming like you or me, somebody who hasn't been in the industry and hasn't had a bunch of films made already, you know, you're in no name in the industry then nobody's going to want to take the time to read your script. Yeah. So you've got to, even if you have, so first level is like get the good story, but then you've got to like get your foot in the door for people to even recognize that you have a good story. So then you sort of have to use like graphic design skills and make this pitch deck and get good at like writing log lines and like almost like the book blurb on the back of the book, you know, to right. then market your pitch. Basically you're doing marketing to, to pitch and we pitched made with love 
we went to a pitchathon in Nashville at this convention. We pitched to distributors the movie um, with the pitch deck. And yeah, and so, right off the bat, we, we had three pitches we got to do. They were five minutes each. So you had to sit down and really sell somebody quick. But all three of them wanted to read you know, the pitch deck and wanted to read the screenplay. So that was awesome. Wow. So once again, we knew, well, all right, we've, awesome. got, we've got something worth going for. Definitely. One of the things I really love, too, about the pitch deck, and I, like, I'm coming at it from someone who like, has never read one before ever until this one, but it was almost like it felt like reading about a film that was already a film. And I thought that was kind of a cool dynamic because like psychologically, you're already like drawn into the story and you're already seeing it in your mind as a, as a movie that's already there. So then it's like, well, I want to see this now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think psychologically, it probably kind of already taps into that. Love it. That's that exactly really, what you really want. Cool. Yeah. And it's interesting hearing you guys talk about this too, because you guys are around this environment of filmmaking so much that you talk about it in this super casual way of something that's so possible. And it is. And that's that's what's really cool is the I think the landscape has changed so much. But like for so many people, they think like, okay, if I ever want to make my book or screenplay into a film one day, I'm going to have to like send it off into the ether of Hollywood and maybe someone will like pick it up and like it and it will be made into this blockbuster film. How much of a myth is that? Yeah, I mean, that's like, I think the lottery yesterday was a billion dollars. You got more of a chance winning that, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah there's so many scripts out there. Um, and most of the people in Hollywood, they're looking for, especially nowadays, they're looking for that, you know, guaranteed thing. It's all about, you know, the intellectual property. They want something that's that's been out there, a book series. And, and that's where you guys have a leg up, right? Because you, know, you, were, you were doing that. You were getting this IP out there. Um, and so they want these, you know, the Marvel movies. That's why those are so big and they keep making more and more. Um, so it's tough to send a single script out to Hollywood without knowing anybody. Right. It's got to be something that that would just be undeniable. Yeah, right. and I don't. I just don't know if that really happens that much because usually it's about who you like. You know, there's always this that you read any screenwriting book, and it's really kind of not motivating because it's always like they always write in like every screenwriting book. Oh, it's going to end up on some stack on somebody's desk or whatever. Which is why super encouraging image, right? Right, but the truth <laughs> is, you can make connections with the people who are going to be reading these scripts, and I think that's probably the key: is that you make connections with people who might be part of a dis distribution company or something, and then they're obviously going to prioritize that story. Or if you use the pitch deck, then they're going to go, "Okay, yeah, I, you know, I already want to read this script." Um, so I think, like, sort of, it's like cold call. You know, you don't want to just send your script out into the ether cold. I think it's really right. important to network so that way you can actually have relationships with the people that are gonna be reading these scripts. And that's the- And that's a good point, because we talked about this the other day and we knew we were coming on the podcast, is like probably a lot of writers might tend to be introverts, you know, or at least yeah. introvert, extrovert. Um, and, and it's tough because you do have to network, you have to meet people, you have to be willing to do those cold calls and. You know all the scary stuff. All all the all the <laughs> but, scary stuff. <laughs> you know what we want to do is encourage people to figure out how to get around that. So if you're an introvert mm -hmm. and you want to get your book published or your screenplay, you know, made into a film, you're going to have to overcome that. 
Uh, and yeah. we talk about this with writers as well. It's like if you're going to be a good writer, mm-hmm. you're going to need to put in the time. You, you know, you're going to need to read all the books. You're going to need to read the classics. You're going to need to understand what story is and how to make it great. So same thing. If you want to get your deal done, then you're going to have to learn how to, to go and knock on the doors, how to network. Uh, we even did it, or you did a video about it, or we did a video. Yeah, we did a video on just having skills with Skills people. with people. Um, but really, it's it shouldn't be that daunting because so many we've met we've met so many people at these events and these mixers for for filmmakers and everybody's awkward. So yeah. you know if you're awkward, you're gonna fit right in. You know, so don't don't worry about Perfect. it. Um, and ultimately, hard. you don't have to show up. And I mean, obviously, you guys have talked about on your podcast before pitching your book, and I do think you should always be you know passionate about it just talk about what you love about it and never be like um you know self uh criticism don't be a critic to yeah, yourself self-deprecating self-deprecating yeah. it's that's like you said that's not attractive but you don't have to immediately that's not you don't have to just pitch yourself right away when you're trying to make these connections like we made a connection at that convention we went to in Nashville. Just by chance, this lady uh, was in, we were sitting in this panel together. She'd ask a question, we'd ask a question. Then afterwards, we spotted her and I was like, hey, gr- you know, great question. Love your, your shirt. She had like her, her documentary's name like printed on her shirt. And I was like, that's really, that's really cool. And we just talked about, you know, just a normal conversation, didn't pitch anything or whatever, but we ended up exchanging info. And now she's read some of your scripts and we've read some of her scripts. And, you know, we're talking about possibly getting people who could financially back some of these scripts. So it's just like making a friend. I mean, you don't you don't have to think of it as this all this pressure and like, oh, I've got to pitch my script as soon as I And think about the, the long game. Right. Right. Especially if it's somebody that has connections or is famous or is already, you know, well established in the business you're not you don't have just one shot right you know you're probably not going to say what they want to hear right off the bat i mean that's once again one in a million so think about the long game with that person how can i just get an in and start building a relationship and get to know them over time and it's really i mean that's with us it's taken a couple of years now but that's a short amount of time i mean i keep looking back and I'm yeah. like i've been in in atlanta now for two years and the people we've met it's just amazing but you got to be willing to take the time and build the relationships and just keep on asking, hey, how's it going? Let's have lunch. You want to do it again? Oh, good to see you. Oh, you like you know this thing? Then I read an article about that thing, and you, you might be interested. Right. You know, trying to provide value for them as well. And over time, yeah. once they see you sticking around for a while, they're like, okay, this person has a little something to them. Right. Uh, and right. they're, they're going to be around, not just a flash in the pan. Uh, and I heard this advice from some really famous filmmakers as well. It's like, you know, yeah, you can call me, but most likely I'm not going to just make your movie. But if you're around <laughs> right. in five years and you've won some awards and you're still writing and you've made some short films and they're pretty good and you're winning festivals, then, you know, I might I might take a meeting with you. Right. Right. For sure. And, and I think a lot of writers feel like that, too. Like, I have to hurry up and publish a book and I have to get something out there and really taking the time to put these, these these foundational building blocks to lay the foundation for your career is so important. And yeah, it takes time and there's a lot of time where it feels like absolutely nothing's happening, but so much is happening during that time. Like we have so many writers who will email us and be like, you know, oh, I'm 20 years old and I still have a book out. I'm like so panicked. And I'm like, bruh, calm down. <laughs> it's like, you have so much time. You have so much time. And this is like all valuable experience of like 
prepping yourself is so much more important than just like hurrying up and getting something out there for the sake of getting something out there. And you have to be confident in it, you know, yeah. like like David was saying earlier with having that passion for your project. And I think that's the secret ingredient to the confidence. And the confidence is what allows you to overcome those uncomfortable moments and put yourself out there. So it's it all works together. It does. It exactly. Does. I, well, I know. I mean, so with me getting my second chance at filmmaking, and I don't know, I'll, I'll quickly tell my backstory here, uh, but I wrote and directed a film in 1989 when I was 23 years old. And then my life went in different, a different, different direction. I was, a, I was in music for a while. I ended up in marketing for a while. And then a couple of years ago, God tapped me on the shoulder and said, I want you back in filmmaking. And so quit my job, sold my house, and moved to Atlanta in the middle of the pandemic. So at my age, I, look like, I feel like I'm getting a second chance to do this passion again. And so I'm super grateful uh, and I have nothing to lose. So I'm super passionate, nothing to lose, got a second chance. So I'm gonna talk to anybody. I mean, I don't care who it is. I mean, the biggest star in the world, the biggest producer in the world, I'll walk right up to them. And uh, you know, I know I'll have to build a relationship and go for the long game, but you gotta start that relationship and you can't be afraid to approach somebody. Be respectful. No, you don't have to, it's probably not great to approach a A-list star and go, "Hey, will you fund my movie right now?" Yeah, but, it's not you know, happen. but you go up to them like you're saying, just start the relate you've gotten they've seen your face, you yeah. know, once. Hey, I love your work. I'm an aspiring filmmaker and and I, you know, my goal is to have you in one of my films one day, you know. Keep doing what you're yeah. doing. Got to be you got to be confident enough to go and and talk to people. Right, just making those human connections and thinking of it more as just making connections with people on this really fun level instead of like, like you were saying, Jackson, like putting like this high pressure on yourself to like, oh, I'm trying to make something happen. Just focus on like meeting people and learning more. And I think that path kind of unfolds as you go. Um, I know something that a lot of our listeners are really curious about, and we got a lot of questions about this for you guys, um, is how, I know you've started from scratch with screenplays, but if, if like a lot of our, our um, audience listening is their writers writing books, and so how would you even go about, like, do you have any advice for going about, like, actually taking your book and turning it into a screenplay? And can you do that if you're someone who has, like, zero experience in writing screenplays, you have a novel? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think the answer is very encouraging that you, if you if you know how to write a story, you know how to write a novel, I mean, you pretty much know, like, 90% of of screenwriting or you know I mean it's the main thing with screenwriting is just being concise um, you know is like summing up your story in one swift action uh, and not being super descriptive about things um, because the cinematography the set design the costumes the nuances and facial expressions of the actors those things are gonna tell the long descriptions that you might have in your novel, so being really concise on the screenplay. But other than that, screenplay format is just about being concise. You don't have to worry about understanding all these shot angles and all these things. That's that's really a, a myth. Yeah, it seems like so many people get you know tripped up on that. Oh well, right. I, I'm not formatting this correctly. There are books that can show you how to do that. You can pick up other screenplays and just look at it and see how they've written things. It's, well, it's more about you got to have that base story down. And like he's saying, you know, learn how to write, you know, in a screenplay, there are description lines, uh, then there's dialogue. And, and so those are the only things you really right. need to, to worry about. 
and you use those elements to tell the story. And it's especially in script writing, it's all about show, don't tell. And dialogue, it's about you know subtext as, as opposed to being on the nose with the dialogue. But you guys already teach that. I mean, any of your listeners, I feel like they're they're safe here. I mean, they're, they're already getting great advice on all that for their novels from y'all. So, I mean, it's the same thing that applies. The, the only other thing is maybe you can't have as many side characters. You can't explore as many subplots. I mean, obviously, it depends. Are you writing a miniseries? If you're writing a feature film, the films we try to make are 90 pages, which would equate to 90 minutes, so an hour and 30 minutes, a nice short and sweet film. Um, so like, you know, there's so many novels that have been turned into movies uh, and some really good right. ones. So it's like, I would say study those. And that mm. was one thing I did with, with Jackson when I was homeschooling him in his senior year is to pick out uh, a, a novel, read that, read the screenplay, watch the film, and then do a compare and contrast paper. Mm -hmm. um, and I know Abby, you've done this with some of, you know, some films. So you're really good at that. Right. Uh, so I, yeah. I, I would say study, study that and see what you think, you know, what they've done. Right. So many, I mean, cause they don't just, they don't, they're, they're going to be characters that are different in, in the screenplay or in the film than in a novel. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, do that. I think figuring out what, you know, if you have a character arc, what the essence of your character arc is, what the point you're trying to get across the sort of the journey of overcoming the misbelief, that's the main core thing that needs to stay there uh, in the story. I mean, if that's your taste, but usually that's probably what, what I would look at is keeping that arc there and figuring out the least amount of scenes that need to happen to, to keep that. So arc. what are, what are y'all's favorite novel to, to film? Oh gosh, uh, that'd be hard to choose for me. Probably Pride and Prejudice, I would say. The, tw the 2005 version is just like one of my favorites. Mm. I, I was trying to think, cause like, I'm not a big like novel reader. So yeah. I was trying to think like, well, I have lots of films Prince that Caspian, I- Prince Caspian, right? Oh yeah, Prince Caspian. Like so, okay, that movie. works. Yeah, definitely. That's my favorite. That's like my favorite movie yeah. and favorite book. But like, I have so many classics that I've watched just the films of, cause I'm not like, uh, you guys are so intellectual and like listening to talk about how well read you are. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I hear I'm like reading one book. I'm like, man, no. you guys are way ahead of that, me, leaving me in the dust. Yeah, but you're writing and that's what yeah. that's what it's all about, you know? That's true. I, yeah, I, I write so much more than I read. It's great. Really it's great to read. You know, of course, I, I condone reading. I promote reading. Um, but, you know, if you want to be a writer, you, at some point you got to write. And, and right. if you and if you can write without, you know, so part of my background, I uh, taught creative thinking and brainstorming to corporations, and, and part of what I would say is, uh, you know, you need to put it was like garbage in, genius out, instead of mm -hmm. garbage in, garbage out, because the more you put in your brain, the more your brain has to work with. Now, of course, I'm being a little silly by saying garbage in. You know, it's better to put good stuff in. Right. But right. your brain can use anything to be creative and come up with ideas for whatever project you're working on. So, right. you know, yes, great. If you need to put stuff into your brain in order to be able to be a good writer, great. But if you if your brain's already packed, I mean, maybe it's stuff you had from your childhood. Maybe it's stuff you observe out in nature and you mm. use that to write, great. It's kind of like that steal like an artist concept that's like just like when you're exposed to good art in like any format, it like kicks off new ideas. Yes, mm. right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't steal it. Don't steal it. But yes. I know. I always thought that was. I always thought that was funny. But like, there's some book called that, which I have not read that book either. Yeah. But I know there's a book called that. <laughs> it's more of just use what you you know what you encounter yeah. in everyday life. I mean, I look right. at, inspiration. I look at stuff that I've written and go, oh, okay, well that came from you know growing up watching Wizard of Oz or you know that came from reading Mad Magazine in the seventies. Or, you know, or whatever it might be, or that came from my walks in nature, you know, or Mm. a visit to a museum where I saw Picasso, Uh, you know, whatever it takes. But back to the back to the scripts and and, uh, novels turned into screenplays. I think if, you know, if your readers are interested in doing that, just study, study some, you know, great examples. Uh, You know, one of my favorite examples is um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in that, I think about there are some characters that were combined. So there were two different characters in the novel. Uh, but in the screenplay, they just combined them into one character. Uh, and I think Jackson was talking about that as far as subplots are concerned or, or having too many characters that muddies it up. And then you'll see uh, stories that are true stories that are turned into movies mm-hmm. that just... Right are just a mess because they try to shove so much stuff into it. They're trying right. to get all of the true story. And the best true stories are when they, they look at it from what makes a good story. Okay, they're going to take out things, combine things. Did you have? Yeah, just we've seen like good examples of a true story, like Blue Miracle that we just saw on Netflix yep. like a year ago. Um, and then we've seen, you know, like Papillon, which is like starring what Steve, Dustin, McQu- Dustin Steve McQueen and Dustin... Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, two big stars of their time. And that movie was just like, it was like, how much longer is this going to go on? It was like the guy like gets like tortured and he goes into this cell. And it's like, I felt like this was a form of torture watching the whole movie just go on and on. And so that's where it's like all these just random details that maybe that did unfold in real life. And I think that's ultimately where I've decided for me what makes a good story is following kind of what y'all follow, which is having some sort of character arc and internal conflict, caring about the protagonist or the two kind of main characters, um, because that's really what's going to lock you in. And that way you can tell what matters and what doesn't. So if you don't have this sort of point that you want to get across or truth that you feel passionate about that is sort of linked to your character arc, then you don't have that way of checking the scenes to go, does this matter or is this just a fun idea? You know? And, and right. another thing mm. with screenwriting is you are always checking yourself. Does this drive the story forward? Does this, you know, is this part of building that character arc? Uh, and if it's not, and, it, and you can take it out and it doesn't change any of that, take it out. And it's so hard for writers to edit themselves like, oh, look at me. It's so yeah. beautiful. I'm so, you know, I'm so amazing <laughs> in this writing. It's, and I've, I've had to learn to do that. Things that are, you know, I guess dear to me. I'm like, I'm writing it. Oh, this is clever, Dave. You know, look at you. This is so good. People are going to laugh at this. But it doesn't move the story forward and you can take it out and the story still works. Get it out. Yeah, but to me, that's yeah. one of the best things about writing and, and editing, like video editing. What I learned is that it's like, Maybe I'll spend all this time editing a whole minute to the thing, but then I show it to you or something, and we're like, yeah, maybe it's better just cut that whole minute out. It's still like, well, if that makes it better, all, all I'm here to do is make something good. So I think ultimately, you know, it's the whole term of like kill your darlings, but I think it, right. you should be like congratulating yourself that you can come up with all of this material and that there's enough good material that you can, you know, cut a third of it out and everything is still 
good. I mean, so I, I think that's a good way to look at it to, that you have enough to work with rather than like, oh, I'm having to cut all of this out. The cutting things down is not a problem. But like, I mean, especially if you shot a movie, if it's like, oh, we only have 70 minutes here and we need, you know, to make it feature length, we need 30 more minutes yeah. or whatever. It's that's never the situation you want to be in. So I think just let your creativity flow. And if you've written a novel, that's perfect. I mean, it, there's no wonder it happens all the time that people take these big novels or larger texts and then boil it down. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely, I would. I can see where it would be way better to have more to work with than not enough. And it feels that way with writing novels too. When you get to that editing stage, you want to have more than enough to work with rather than like, uh, this is too short. Now it's like down to a pamphlet. I don't have enough story. And, and that, that's a way bigger panic moment than, oh, I can just take more of this out. Yeah. The art that's of pamphlet funny. writing, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> you need to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like, so when I was reading the Made With Love screenplay, which I loved, um, I, I was like really enthralled with it. And I was I was thinking about how there's really... Um, it's really beneficial as a novel writer to read a screenplay because like you were saying, David, earlier, how it's more concise. It's more stripped down. You don't have all this uh, description and facial expressions and so many tags. And yet you totally see in your mind what is happening. And it reminded me of what we were talking about on um, the dialogue episode we did. Right very recently, is that you don't have to have so much of that because um, your reader is already getting it. They're already seeing that. And and when you're reading a screenplay, you're already visualizing this all in your head and you're seeing it quite clearly and it makes you realize, wow, I really don't need a ton of description bogging this down. I think it can help make you a more concise novelist and in a lot of ways. It's totally fine if you write your screenplay, like don't put a a ton of pressure on yourself for the first draft that it has to be this concise because even made with love that you read there's been before you read it there's a lot that got cut out oh yeah right um, yeah scenes here and there that yep. cut out you know and when i read the first draft i already thought this is a great story so i think you can have a great story and you know have stuff that still needs to be cut you know you're just slowly you know chiseling away just making sure that it's even more of what it's meant to be yeah, getting more to the core of the story. And we had a lot of listeners who asked a lot of questions in regards to dialogue and descriptions and how do you avoid overwriting? And I would think especially this applies for novelists coming to, okay, I'm going to write a screenplay now. How do I not get like super carried away with overwriting descriptions, overwriting dialogue? So what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that is what hampers a lot of new writers uh, is just writing way too much. Descriptions, not so much. I mean, yes, if you want somebody to read it, you want it to be clean and concise. Um, but dialogue is the thing. Dialogue is super tough. The more you can cut out, the better. And once again, like Jackson was saying, those nuances when you're filming, so you have that visual, you've got the camera filming actors and really good actors, uh, the nuances in their facial expressions, you know, um, their body posture, whatever it might be, the body language, will convey so much more uh, in a film uh, than than you can have, you know, coming out in dialogue. Mm -hmm. So I know I just there was a pivotal scene at the end of Made with Love, and I did a little bit of rewriting recently, and and just took out 
I mean, three, at least three different lines of Mr. Morrow's because he didn't need it. He could do, the, do it by the facial expression or, or just the lack of saying anything because sometimes silence, you know, says so much, mm-hmm. right? So you think about those things, but for some reason, I guess, because writers think, all right, there is this dialogue, there are characters, and here's the character name, and there needs to be dialogue. They just want to have this back and forth, and you'll see that in kind of novice films. It's just this back and forth Mm -hmm. dialogue. Mm -hmm. Well, I say this, and then you say that, and then you say that to me, and I say something back to you. But that's not really how it goes in real life. Right, 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 right. If you have an argument between a couple, and, you know, a lot of times one of them is just going to, they're going to stove up and not say anything. Right. And it's going to drive the other person crazy. So what better way to build drama and tension than to have one character just not say anything? And then the yeah. audience is yeah. like, oh, my gosh, what they're going to blow up. What's happening here? <laughs> Rather than, I'm so angry with you. Right. You know, well, I'm angry right. with you. Right. You know. And, and I think, I, yeah. sure, you could probably go too far in the direction of people just saying, like, one line back, like, just one word responses. Like, maybe that's too much. But I do think it's probably better with screenplays uh, to go on the side of, of minimal. Uh, and I, I feel like that was always a lot of the edits with, like, your Made With Love script was just, like, in one line of dialogue, there was almost, like, three different bullet points, you could say, or something. And, and that's what I've seen the most when I read a novice screenplay is that it's like, you know, will you, will you close the fridge? And also, you know, I meant to tell you that yesterday you were late. And also, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, it's like three totally different points right. in one thing. Right. So it's kind of like, what is this whole, is this line just to show that he's like ticked off or whatever? It's like, get to the core of that and try to get it in as few words as possible. Because when you're reading a novel, you can almost, your eyes can kind of glance past the dialogue a lot faster than having to watch slowly on a screen somebody enunciate every word. Right. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, and we were talking about that with the the dialogue episode we did too because in novels, it's kind of, it can feel abnormal too when you have so much description of what's happening and so much back and forth when in real life there wouldn't necessarily have been so much um, like black and white clear cut back and forth conversation like that like in real life it just doesn't play out that way so I think yeah I mean that carries over really well into novel writing too because you don't want to be skimming this skimming is like okay we've had like too much like get to the next topic you know so advice there is just try to make it as clean and concise as possible and think about the character arc and think about the story. Is it driving the story forward? Is it, you know, is the character growing in their arc? Uh, and if it doesn't benefit that, take it out. Yeah, that's a great question to ask yourself as you're, especially through the editing process. So guys, what would you say is the top number one storytelling lesson that you've learned from Made With Love in this journey? I, I think figuring out um, maybe some stuff that's not in the story or not written in the script about the characters to know what is motivating them. Um, and this is something I'm kind of, I'm doing this right now. I take acting lessons, not to be an actor, but to be a better director, uh, from a will, a really well-known actor. And we are going through my script right now, scene by scene and talking about it from the perspective of, okay, once I get on set with this actor, what will I 
tell them in order to get the performance that I need. And so that's helping me think about it as, as a writer is like, what's this guy's backstory? Uh, you know, why would they be acting this way in this scene? What would motivate them in this scene? And, you know, going to that depth and detail is really going to help you when it comes to writing your, uh, writing your screenplay or your novel as well. Well, and, and what's funny is I've sort of overheard some of what you've been talking about with your acting coach for, you know, coming up with the backstory to tell the actors. And it's a lot of the stuff that uh, that y'all talk about. I mean, it's a lot of the stuff that I've seen in, in the book Story Genius is coming up with, you know, this sort of misbelief-fueled sort of backstory. What has led them, each character basically should have their own misbelief. And it's funny, these really good actors basically do the whole misbelief like it's like they do this whole prompt for themselves for each individual mm. character that's so cool that that yeah that each actor you know a good actor will be doing that for even just the smallest role but i think that really goes to show that we want these characters that have some sort of flaw and that aren't just totally one note because that's the way you wrote them but because something changed something made them that way through experience yeah so props to y'all and, yeah. and the way you present this to your audience is, mm -hmm. is excellent. I mean, we really have learned so much from y'all. Wow. Oh my gosh, That's we're such honored. A compliment. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're so humble. You guys cut right to the point, you know. Yeah, you do a great job in breaking it down. So keep on doing that and help to build better writers out there. We need it. Uh, yeah, well, thank definitely. you so much. I wanted to ask you, Jackson, because I know you've worked on some screenplays and some novels and different like methods of storytelling. So like as you're starting out and you're embarking on this whole journey, um, what what would you say you've learned from switching to these different mediums? And like, what are some of the stark differences and what have they taught you? Ultimately, it comes down to the character arc for me. That's really what I've learned is I've really honed in on what my taste for a good story is. And I've kind of I think I've realized that across every medium, ultimately we all sort of have our own particular taste in what we see is a good story. So across all the books that I've read and movies that I've watched, they all sort of align in that they have this really strong character arc and transformative character journey. Um, so I've written short stories, I have outlined for novels, um, and I've written a, a feature screenplay, I've written short films before, um, but all of this has sort of been on this journey to find what my taste is. And like I said, it's having a misbelief, having a flawed character, and you can do that in a novel. You can, because I've seen that in y'all's novels, I've seen that in Pixar movies, and uh, in the short stories that I've written, it's just on a, on a short story, it's just on a much smaller scale, or maybe it's not as big of a, a transformation but I think ultimately in every project that I do, I always try to find the character arc. And that's kind of what keeps me, me grounded uh, with mm. what I'm gonna do. And like right now I'm trying to outline for a novel, I was kind of inspired by the format of The Catcher in the Rye and you know this first person perspective. Um, and so, yeah, I would be doing it in this first person perspective and having internal thoughts, but ultimately I'm still approaching it the same way that I did, you know, uh, what is a screenplay? Third person perspective. It's just sort of like, you know, this omniscient view. Um, it's the it's the same core 
thought process. Now, when you write novels, do you write in first person or do you like to write in third person because you kind of like have gotten used to that from screenwriting? Uh, so I'm, I'm really embarking on my first novel right now. And I've, awesome. I'm kind of, I wanted to do like Catcher in the Rye first person. But after I read y'all's books, it's kind of like, man, I, I might want to do the whole switch, the dual POV because I kind of realized that a That's lot of my fun. favorite stories have two kind of character arcs in them. Like Finding Nemo is kind of probably my my key favorite movie and story right now, the way that it works. And that has basically two points of view. I mean, it's omniscient, but right. it follows Nemo and he's over in this part of the world and then it follows Marlin and they both kind of have their own. Marlin's journey is way more center stage, but they both have these arcs and kind of like um, in 100 Days of Sunlight, it, it's, you know, it has Weston, and I would say maybe he's a little bit more center stage, has a little bit more of a journey to go on, but um, also Tessa has her journey to go on. And so, you know, right. I think something about that is is very interesting, and that just is a taste that's interesting to me. But also I like Tol Tolstoy a lot. The way that he wrote was basically omniscient, th third-person point of view, but then here and there he would, like, I guess maybe in, like, italics or something, put people's thoughts in there so mm, that's cool it's fun if you want to if you want to do screenplays i mean it's basically it's doing third person point of, of view but you can still get those emotions across of what the character is feeling by you know holding on their face or writing a description line of of you know the way that their face tensed up and obviously when you're shooting that that would be a close-up or you know a dolly in and it's fun to think of the visual ways to represent mm. what's going on internally yeah hmm. that's that really awesome. cool yeah it's definitely i think it's more fun to write dual point of views because you have this opportunity to sort of reflect the two journeys with each other but then also show the differences and how these two very different characters kind of approach their obstacles and overcome them and how they grow and change right yeah, it also makes it really, It's to me, it was always just so much more interesting as the author, too, because you're getting to, like, leave a character and go into a completely different character rather than feeling like you're kind of grounded in this one character. Like, it, it just is, like, so much more exciting, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so I just read The Blood Race, the first book in there, and it's fun to see what Hawk thinks of Icarus and Vice. It's like it, tell, it almost reveals more about each right. character when you see them through the other perspectives and I guess it also gives you a sense of where they are in their inner conflict journey as to see how their perspective changed because you might see well they're really you know they see you know maybe Hawk sees Icarus in sort of a, a bad light at a certain point in the story and you're like you know clearly that's a misunderstanding there but um, yeah I think that's what is unique about it is that you can see their different perspectives of each other and that sort of tracks where they are in their and that journey. really involves the audience because then they have to decide who they believe like we've seen this right. character do this, but now this character is saying this about them. What is true? What is not true? So mm -hmm. really pulls your audience into the story. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like we've been having a lot of fun with that with the the books that we're co-authoring together because it has like a mystery element because of the genre. Um, and and it, when you have like these mystery elements, it can be really fun because you're you're doing exactly that. Like you're seeing like, okay, who knows what? And you're actually kind of being able to like pull clues from that and maybe even solve some of it yourself just from seeing things from different perspectives and figuring out like who's lying, who's telling the truth. Yeah. So it does keep it really fun for sure. So um, to wrap this up, you guys, Abby and I, as you know, 
talk all the time about making your story matter. And as you embark on this journey of turning your screenplay made with love into a feature film, what is it that makes you say this story matters? In, in our story, it's about a young man with Down syndrome, right? And, and the lead is going to be my friend, our friend, Jay, Jay. who we've known for about seven years. So uh, I've gotten to know so much about Jay, but now that I'm doing the, the screenplay, I've delved more into the whole Down syndrome community and I've learned so much. Um, how capable individuals with Down syndrome are uh, and what, you know, how they can be productive members of our society. And, and there's just a lack of education for the general public to understand what Down syndrome is and, and the capabilities of individuals with Down syndrome. Uh, they're so loving. Their love is so pure. Uh, it's just amazing. So we enjoy being around Jay. I, I mean, I probably enjoy being around Jay more than I do in, all the adults that, that you know, he's oh, that are at his house. Yeah. yeah, it's like I go over there and I'm just going to sit there and color with Jay for hours. Yeah, it's know? like I go watch the football game with the guys or go color with Jay. Yeah, I'm I'm going to uh, color Elsa. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, I love it. That's so, awesome. you know, it's just become my passion to, to help raise awareness uh, because Sadly, the termination rate for uh, Down syndrome pregnancies is, is above 75%. I mean, and wow. that to me is just a travesty because the world is being robbed of some of the most beautiful right. individuals that, you know, God's created. They're just, you know, they're just angels on earth. And we need to learn from them. Uh, I've heard from so many parents that have uh, children with Down syndrome that they, they're not a burden. They've been a blessing. Right. Uh, it's kind of like this character arc there for, yeah. for people who have been blessed to have someone with Down syndrome in their life is realizing, oh, wait, it's actually the inverse of what yeah. I thought it was. I thought mm. being around this person was a burden, but right. people think, oh, well, I need to take care of this person. No, they're taking care of you. <laughs> their love yeah, is going to show awesome. you a world that you've never seen before. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I'm passionate about. And yeah, for me, when Jay, before you actually wrote this movie, we would color with Jay and he would say, and he actually would say it to me too. He'd be like, I want you guys, because he knows we both do movies. He would say, I want you to write a movie. And he would, I'd be like, Jay, I'm trying to learn story. It's take, it's gotta be patient because I don't really know. I haven't written a screenplay yet. And he's like, just wake up, write, and think of me. You know, just think of me in your heart and write. That's awesome. You know, so maybe that's, that's so the cool. advice you need to hear is just think of Jay and write. And that's what he did. And it created an award-winning script. And so when I read this screenplay, the first draft, I was like, man, I've got to do whatever I can to help my dad make this movie. Because it's like you're hanging out with Jay. So if you've never, like before Jay, I've never really been around someone with Down syndrome significantly in my life. So watching this movie is going to give people an opportunity to basically hang out with Jay through the course of this movie because my dad's really done a good job of capturing what it's like to be around him and just his his fun sort of snappy personality so cool. and then the character arc the older man who is this jaded school teacher and the thing that really connected with me personally uh, was that he sort of had this this flaw or this misbelief of thinking that he had his purpose his dream to go open this cafe and he's so you know in this path of I've got my purpose, I don't have time for anybody else, I need to do this. And really it would have been a tragedy if he continued on that route and never paid attention to the life that he could have with Jay being a part of his life. And so to me that's what I connected with is thinking, man, we can sometimes get caught up and think my dream is so important, I need to be on my purpose, I don't have time for whoever this type of person is. Um, 
but when you sort of let somebody into your life like that, um, it makes your journey way better than you could have planned for. Mm, that's so true. That's beautiful. I love that. I love this story. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. And I love that you're bringing that passion and that meaning to your art. It's so important. It is. It's a passion. And it's it's such a beautiful heartwarming powerful message and story and characters they're like the characters that you like think of long after i was gonna say you watched it didn't watch it i just read the screenplay but it feels like i watched it and i can't wait to watch it so all that said like for all of our listeners watching this like this needs to be a film obviously and so this is being crowdfunded and like you talked about at the beginning of this um this conversation david how this is like a community aspect this giving aspect to making this film with love literally so where can our listeners go to support this project and to help you guys make this the film that it deserves to be. Yeah, so right now we are about to finish out our first round of crowdfunding, and it's probably gonna take several rounds, but this first round's coming to a close pretty soon. But if you go to madewithlovethemovie.com, madewithlovethemovie.com, then you can help us out on our Indiegogo page right now. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview, that really fun conversation that we had with Jackson and David. For all of you who are thinking about turning your novel into a screenplay and a film eventually one day, hey, your dreams aren't that far away. And Jackson and David are proving that with exactly what they're doing. Make sure you go check them out on social media. We'll link them below. Check out their YouTube channel where they podcast. And above all, go check out their campaign. It's really cool to be part of something. like actually moving this project forward. This is a community effort. And I think that's really beautiful. It's it's breaking down the barriers of um, what filmmaking used to be and we're breaking into something new. So you can be part of that. You can take part in funding this heartwarming and powerful film. Check it out with the link in the description below on the video version of this podcast. If you're listening on some other platform, you can check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash K.A. Emmons, where you'll find the latest episode and all the goodies that we're talking about in the description box. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope that you had a great time listening, taking notes and gaining insight from this interview. And again, thank you so much to our sponsors, our patrons who help keep this show alive and free of interruptions. We love you guys so much and we will see you in the next one. Until then, stay stoked and rock on.